0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.
1: Well, good morning and welcome to Real Life Church. Happy Mother's Day to all the ladies out there. We just want to invite you to get on your feet, put your hands together, and sing along. God in this place this morning. Yes, yes, and amen. And God is so good. He is for you today. He's always with you. A steadfast love is always in time. Always with you this morning. That was always my default. If I didn't have a, if I didn't control a situation, if I couldn't fix it, I would just let fear and anger take over. But can I tell you that our God is faithful? If you just trust Him with these challenges, He will make a way. He's moved mountains in my life, and I believe He can move them in yours too.
2: praise you, God. We praise you for the promise and for the fact that you have never failed us, God. We know your promise still stands, and we know that we can just lay the burdens that we have, the stress we carry, the anxiety. We can just lay all of that at your feet because we know you've got us, God. So just change us this morning, God. Speak a word of freedom and truth into our lives today. And just let us go out into this world and just share it with others. God, be with us and fill this place. It's in your name, it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Good morning, Real Life Church. How y'all doing today? Oh my gosh, amazing. Can I just say happy Mother's Day? to moms in any season whatever that looks like i'm gonna go above and beyond that and just give a special shout out to every woman every lady every girl in the house man you are special you are loved we see you god sees you we're proud of you and we're so glad you're here today we hope that you just feel so special this day i just want to welcome everyone here today, and I want to welcome a group that we shout out every week. We shout out Real Life Church Online. Can they hear you? Everyone here in the room, can they just hear you today? Yes, Real Life Church Online, we hope you feel welcome today. Can I just encourage you to interact in the chat today, to connect in the comment section, and to react with your favorite, uh, your favorite emojis and reactions throughout the gathering today. We would just love to interact with you. Everyone in the room, I'm gonna encourage you to connect with the people around you in the row, across the aisle with a smile, a handshake, a high-five, a fist bump. Will you just interact and connect for a few moments, and then you can have a seat. Don't be bashful. Well, we are just so honored that you're here today. And especially if you are brand new with us. If you're brand new online, welcome. Thanks for taking some time to click on the stream and join us. And if you're brand new in the room today, thanks for coming out today. Super busy weekend. We know there's a lot of places you could be, but we're just honored that God brought you here to hang out with us this Sunday morning. I got a a question for you, if you will, if you're brand new. The question goes like this. If you're online, will you click the link? If you're brand new, will you click the link you're seeing now? And if you're brand new in the room, the question is, will you get your phone out and will you text RL New to 97000? Or will you open your camera app and will you scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you? Whichever one of those methods you do, connects you to someone on our follow-up team. And our follow-up team loves to reach out and connect with you completely digitally and just check in with you, see how your Sunday morning went, answer those questions you might have about Real Life Church and see how can we be praying for you this week. If you're brand new in the room today, I hope you'll do that and connect with us. But I also hope before you leave, if you've never been to our new here booth, I hope you'll stop by and you'll hang out with us for a minute. Let us put a face to a name And let us just give you a small gift as our way of saying thank you so much for being here with us this week at Real Life Church. A little bit above that, too, you know, this is your first Sunday. Can I just encourage you to to just pray about and think about giving God these next three Sundays to come hang out with us again and, and just see what God has for your life if you do that. A little bit more about us here at Real Life Church. You know, Real Life Church is a church on a mission. And that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And so I just wanna encourage you to be thinking about some people in your life that might be close to you and far from God. And just a couple of action steps to go along with that. Pray for those people and then invite those people to come out and hang out with us at a future Sunday gathering. We'd love to see them. We'd love to make them feel super welcome. Well, man, I'm so excited about today. You know, Mother's Day, incredible. Uh, We're continuing this amazing series we've been working on. And you know, that idea that our life has a playlist and, and the idea that we don't want to get caught up in our own personal playlist and tune out a word from God. So I'm going to invite you now just to press pause on your own playlist and shuffle in a brand new mix, a mix of hope, a mix of freedom, a mix from God himself. This is the songs that made us. Check it out.
3: church I'm so excited to be here speaking with you today for our Mother's Day gathering. And it really, it just warms my heart. I've been so excited about this because we are celebrating women today. Um, Not just moms, but women of all ages and stages like Drew mentioned. And, you know, I think that it's really cool throughout the Bible. God really used women to play a part in his kingdom in ways that were kind of unconventional for the time. You know, he had Old Testament judges. He had women were the song leaders leading the Israelites out of Egypt. He had so many women who offered up their kids to say, God, whatever you want to do with my kid, with my life, like that is your deal. It was actually women who were the first ones who were at the empty tomb to see Jesus. Women were leaders in the early church. They were um, just his disciples, their followers, they were listed there. And then it's really, really cool just to see how that translates into God's heart for women. Even in Jesus's day, him just talking to a woman was so countercultural that I think it gives us a special glimpse into the place of honor that God holds for women women. And so I'm so excited to be able to celebrate that with you guys today. I think the heart of a woman is so special to God. And so it's my honor to be able to, as a woman, share that with you guys today. But can I tell you right off the bat today that God sees you no matter what season of life you're in as a woman, maybe you have a long distant hope or you know that maybe someday you'll be a mother. Maybe you're in the trenches of raising up little kids and each day is a fight. Or You're driving the mom taxi for your school-aged kids to get everywhere that they need to go. You could be slowly emptying your nest. Um, maybe you're pouring your life out and leading and mentoring other women alongside you as you're in this journey. Or it could be today that this might be your first Mother's Day without your child and you're just hoping and praying and longing for that day when you get to see them again on the other side of eternity and I just want you to know today that we see you no matter what season you're in we see what God is doing in your life and we see what he's doing through your life and we honor you today and so let's give it up for all the ladies in the room today yes I know I love Drew is shouting down the ladies that's awesome I love it um, it's no secret that the last couple of years have been a little bit crazy. I think I can go ahead and just throw that out there and say, it's not going to surprise anybody to say that we've been living in a global pandemic. We switched our lives online and then back and then on and then back. Um, And I've really seen I almost imagine this message is kind of like a few of us sat down in like a women's small group and said You know what's on your heart? What's on my heart and I've seen so many of you trying to juggle it all You know you have your jobs and your kids and your kids are online school And you're trying to get them to all the places they need to be while worrying about fears and you know You're just really trying to keep all these balls up in the air and juggling them and sometimes it just seems straight-up impossible If you're like me, some days you wake up and you are already weary, right? (laughs) These are so many things. Um, And I've noticed at our house, weariness is kind of directly correlated to the answer that we give to this question. It's, Mommy, can we sleep in your bed? Okay? (laughs) Okay. I gather some of you have heard that. And really in our house, the honest question is, Daddy, can we sleep in your bed? Because it's no secret who the softy is in our house. And they know they're going to get the answer that they want to get if they ask Daddy. Whereas Mommy's like, I need some sleep. Um, And so it really all comes down to math. How tired are you is kind of an equation thing. So what we've learned recently is that 47 stuffies plus three blankets, plus five extra pillows, plus two hot stinky preschoolers, plus one dog, one cat, equals zero parental sleep, okay? I can just assure you of that. The other day, Emery actually concocted an entire stuffy fortress in our bed, okay? She's like, we're like, just grab a couple things. Here she comes, we've taught him how to put the stuffies in the middle of the blanket and like wrap it up and drag it up the stairs. So she, every stuffed animal she owns that she can find in our house is there. And she lays down in the bed with them like perfectly strategically all the way around her. Well, this worked out really well for me actually, because I was on the outside of the stuffy Fortress okay so I kind of had like an extra pillow layer the kids weren't kicking me Sean on the other hand was inside of Stuffy Fortress and I think it was 1 a.m. when he finally gave up and went down and slept in Emery's twin bed (laughs) to say forget this I can't survive with these kids in here but you know it's It's weariness, it's tiredness, but I think sometimes it runs a little bit deeper than that, doesn't it? You know, regardless of how physically tired we sometimes are, I think there's some emotional and spiritual tiredness that kind of has run through our culture and through us as women in our society right now. And sometimes we walk through life not just tired but anxious and I would say even troubled kind of in our spirit. and I think that these last two years have exposed more of that than we've seen before. We used to be a lot better at kind of hiding it, and now it's kind of up to the forefront where we have to deal with it. And sometimes it just feels like we can't handle one more thing, you know, thing after thing after thing comes. And weariness, it's more than just tired. It's, it's anxiety. It's maybe the loss of a relationship through separation or divorce that's come up over this time. It's maybe you're struggling with your parents' declining health and the burden that that's placed on your family. You have past abuses or struggles that keep coming back up to the surface. Maybe you're facing a devastating medical diagnosis for yourself or somebody close to you, or maybe you've lost a child, you know, whether recently or years past and this each time this year comes, every time this time of year comes up, it's just heartbreaking for you to remember that pain. And it's times like these where it's really easy to take our focus off of Jesus and on all the stuff around us, and so it keeps us bogged down, keeps us weary. But I'm so grateful today that God doesn't leave us or forsake us. He actually says in his word that he'll hide us under the shelter of his wing. He says no weapon forged against him will prosper. And so, man, our God is good, and he's in the restoration business, and so I'm excited to share with you what he's doing in my life and what I think he has for you today. Um, So we're going to continue in the songs that made us. I want to start with a word from Jesus that um, in a moment he was answering a question where it seemed like the world might fall apart a little bit. So we're going to jump into Luke 17. Um, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the end times. He's answering a question that some of the religious leaders of the day asked, how will we know the end is near? Full disclosure, this is not going to be an explanation of the end times in the Bible today. Um, they, uh, you can actually get, reach out to Barry after this gathering if you have some questions about the end times. He would love to sit down with you in Revelation and Daniel. He told me to pass his phone number out, but I thought that was drawing the line. So, no, Barry would love to have that conversation with you. I will not be doing that today. Um, but I think Jesus' answer to this question is really interesting. So let's jump into Luke 17 and start with verse 21. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, There he is, here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation, which actually we just heard Sean's incredible account of that from our Easter gatherings and even the week after. So go back and check that out if you missed it. It was really good. But just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. And it was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed, and on that day, no one who's on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife, for whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it." So right about now, you're probably like, wow, this is pretty heavy. Can't wait for Sean to be back up here next week, right? <laughs> like, um, But I think that one small sentence, remember Lot's wife, is so interesting in that spot. It's actually the second shortest verse in the Bible. So if you're trying to do like a Bible memory thing this year, you're welcome. I just got you like way ahead. Now you have two Bible verses totally memorized. Um, but I'm like, okay, remember Lot's wife. Well, who is Lot's wife, you might be asking to yourself. So let's take a second and jump back, all the way back, Genesis 19 to learn a little bit more about this woman who actually is nameless in the Bible besides that she's Lot's wife, she was a mom and see why on earth would Jesus want us to remember her? So we're going to pick up this story. God had sent angels into the city, into Sodom and Gomorrah, which is the city where Lot and his wife lived, to find everybody left who still believed in God, who followed him. There's a small amount of faithful people. God wants to save them all because the city is going to be destroyed. Um, and so when the time came to do that, two angels came down into the city, physically grabbed their hands and dragged them out of the city to rescue them from destruction. And even with angels leading them, they were hesitant to leave what they knew. And so starting in verse 15 in Genesis 19, It says, with the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. And when he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains, or you'll be swept away. I know sometimes in my life I'm thinking, like, man, if God would just send an angel (laughs) to come and tell me what to do so I would know what the next step to take is, that might make it easier. I think this story is kind of like, well, maybe it wouldn't be easier because he might ask me to do something hard that I know, and then I can't avoid it when the angel's dragging me there. Um, But Lot and his wife, for real, did not want to go to the mountains. They kept hesitating. They kept stopping. Are you sure we have to go all that way? They actually begged the angels to let them go to a nearby town called Zor where they could stay, and then the angels agreed. Um, because God is good, and so we're going to pick back up in verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zor, the city they compromised on, the sun had risen over the land, and the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens, and thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, where they weren't supposed to stop, destroying all those living in the cities and also all the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became A pillar of salt. I don't think that her story is as far away weird as we feel like it is, and we're going to talk about that, but when you look around and your world looks destitute, you're wondering, is the end near? Is it going to be like this time? Jesus is answering this question. Jesus told us to remember Lot's wife. He didn't say, remember Sarah and her great faith to start the nation. He didn't say, remember Hannah and how she willingly gave up her child, or remember my own mother, Mary, and just how faithful she was to God's plan. He said, remember Lot's wife. And so maybe today your soul is weary and troubled. Your circumstances are crazy, they're challenging you. You can't see any light in the darkness ahead of you. And so we have a song you today to help answer this question so you know where to lean into. Um, So we're continuing the songs that made us this week, and we're actually taking it way back um, to the late 1800s with this song. Um, This was written by a young woman named Lilius Trotter, who was actually a talented artist. So talented that she was in like the top art schools of her day, and she was being recruited by art dealers and all these people to say, we want you to be a part of what we have going here. But every day she would go in, and she couldn't shake this feeling that God was calling her to something. Different. And so she spent her days in art school, but she spent her nights and evenings out in the streets of London actually going out to look for prostitutes to rescue them and to tell them about Jesus. And she was so passionate about sharing the gospel with the most destitute that she decided to stop art and she, well, professionally stop art, and that she wanted to go and be a missionary well she couldn't find a missions agency to accept her or to support her so she raised up all of her own support and she actually ended up moving to be a missionary in algeria which is in northern africa for about 40 years and when she was on a furlough in 1901 that's like a break from doing your mission work Um, She wrote a poem called Focused, um, which uses the idea of optics and lenses and our own eyes actually to describe how we see ourselves and see Jesus, and she published and distributed this pamphlet all over Europe, and it was by chance, you know, I don't think God works by chance, but there was a young musician who was taking a trip to Europe in 1918 named Helen Lemmel, who had written a lot of hymns and things, and she came across one of these pamphlets. It was really cool. She read and she describes how she was reading the pamphlet and she stopped in her tracks at one of the lines in this poem that I want to share with you. It says, so then turn your eyes upon him. Look full into his face and you will find that the things of earth will acquire a strange new dimness. She reports that she stood still when she heard that line and her soul was already singing the chorus. She said there was no single one moment of like, I put this note than that or this word than that. God, it just came to her. Um, And then in 1922, so a few years later, which was exactly 100 years ago now, um, she published the song in a hymn book that they used at the Keswick Convention, which is a big revival that happens in England and actually still happens um, to this day. And so we see the lives of these two great women of faith coming together to lead us today. And so I'd like to invite you today to stand and sing this song with us because 100 years later, the words still ring true. This song is dedicated to those of you who are weary and troubled, and those of you who have endured hardship, and you're tempted to keep your eyes focused on the circumstances around you. But this is Helen Lemmel's Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Oh, so. In those words today. I know I do. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? And I don't know if you've been there before, but I know when I look at this story of Lot's wife, I think that I can kind of totally relate a little bit. Um, In my early 20s, I was newly married, we were very fresh in um, youth ministry. And God rocked my world by adding two young women to our life, kind of instant parents, we would call it. And we fostered them through their high school years, Um, instantly standing in as their mom and seeing every part of our lives change. If you've ever done anything like that before, every single bit of your life changes in an instant in one day. Um, And really that dramatic change exposed a huge area of insecurity inside of me. Um, because you know, when life is good and things are predictable and I can control what's going on, then we're good. Everything's good. But all of a sudden, when God throws a wrench in there and life is hard, then all of a sudden I realize that I'm leaning on my own self and not on the strength that God is going to have to give me, because we were regularly thrown into some pretty intense situations right off the bat, and I realized that on my own, I couldn't handle it. Um, what was exposed in my life was that I was leaning on my own self and my own strength. And now that I couldn't see the future and I certainly couldn't control it, I was falling apart a little bit. Um, I didn't even know week to week whether they were still going to be living with us. There was one of them was very deeply depressed, and we didn't even know, you know, is she going to make it through this week? We had just a lot of really intense situations going on. Um, You know, was somebody in her family going to do something that would be devastating to them or us or lose our ministry? We just didn't know. It was just a really kind of crazy and chaotic time. And in the midst of all of this uncertainty and stress, you know, I should have been leaning on God. I should have been a support there for our family and all this we're going through. But I was, really, I was crippled by my own insecurity my own thoughts of inadequacy, of I'm in this moment, I am not okay (laughs) to be this stand-in mom here. I am not even sure that God has called me to do this, and I'm certainly not giving them the love and care that they need for me in this moment. You know, I'm like this, I would find myself, you know, crying on the bathroom floor, like just not able to actually get up and function in my life. And so what I do is I flip a switch, turn it off, put on a fake smile. Hey, good morning, church. We're so excited that you're here with us today because it's easier to put on a fake show Um, and go to work and go to church than it is to really start doing the work that it takes to heal me and just to pretend like everything is okay. And that insecurity for a long time kept me from fully using my gifts from fully, you know, trusting and opening up even to relationships with Sean or to those girls now. It kept me jealous of other people's gifts that God hadn't even, obviously hadn't given me. Um, so much so that I'd have a hard time, like, making close friendships, especially in the church. I was worried, what were people going to think? You know, what would Sean think? What What do they think of me? What do they think of Sean? Um, and I was just paralyzed. And I was stuck behind walls I had built, with Satan back there convincing me that I was obviously the only one having this struggle. Surely you're alone, you're in ministry, you can't handle this. I don't know why you think you're here helping these people. Um, But God is the next word in the sentence, because God is good, and God is in the restoration business. And I can say, but God, in his gentleness and his patience, slowly began to take down those walls. He gently removed them, I say. It wasn't like a crash course into your life, boom, big moment. It was like, hey, let's start here. Let me help you. Let me walk alongside you to restore your life and to show you who I actually made you to be and to show you that who you are and your security doesn't come from some idea in your mind or some picture you saw online. It comes from who I said you are. And slowly God began to unravel that all of that insecurity that was so wrapped up in my heart so that I could actually open up, accept him fully, and be able to lead others. And one of the verses that I just love about this is in Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. It says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born? Anybody who is breastfed goes, no, that is a hard one to forget. Um, And even then he says, though she may forget, I will not forget you. It's God saying, no matter what, the ultimate level, I will not forget you. See, now check this out. He says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. And I'm like, say what? I'm like, dude. God has a tattoo, okay? And it's of you, right? Isn't that crazy? Like, literally, like, yeah, we're that church. Yeah, get a tattoo. God's got one. You know what I'm saying? But he loves you so much, he engraved you on his hand. Every day you're there at the forefront of him. And it's like mind-blowing, like, why wow, I'm so caught up in me. Because that's really what insecurity is. It's keeping me focused on me. Even me suck, me, I'm not good enough, me, that is still me. And being able to let that go so I can be like, but God is good. But God can do this in my life. Um, I realized God thinks so highly of me. He sent Jesus to die for me. And so I had to do the steps I needed to do to overcome those things. I had to do the hard work in my struggle to turn my eyes and thoughts onto Jesus instead of onto my own fears and insecurities and to look fully into him. And really it came down to this. It's I had to let what Jesus did for me become greater than anything that had happened to me or any thoughts that were in my head. I want you to hear that again because this is like, this was so life-changing for me. I had to let what Jesus did for me become greater than things that were happening to me and things I was saying to myself. And it's that life-changing moment in there that can look back and say nothing that has happened here before is worse than the greatness and the goodness of God in that moment. And so take hope today. If you're in the midst of that, like I was, you're facing great pain, anxiety, grief, or loss. If you're weary from trying to hold it all together, I think this song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, has um, three steps that we can take today to not get stuck like Lot's wife. So the first one is this. It's don't look back. The very first part of that chorus is turn your eyes at Jesus. If you're looking onto Jesus, you can't turn around and look back at something else while you're still looking at Jesus. You know, and I do still think that one of the craziest things about the story with Lot and his wife is that literally angels are grabbing them by the hand and pulling them, and they're still like, oh, I don't know, maybe this isn't it. <laughs> you know, like, are you sure, God, I'll pray about it a little longer. Um, and they were living in a horrible place. You know, you can read about Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible, and they were given very specific instructions. Flee for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere on the way. But Lot's life looked back, and it really, it cost her everything, and really it cost her family a lot, too. And I think in that way, that look back, if Satan can convince us to do that, if Satan can get me up here on stage and say, oh, but remember that time you really struggled with that? Remember that terrible thought you had about that person? Uh, Remember how you just really weren't good enough to do that? If he can keep me in the past, in my past pain, in my past sin, in my past struggles that I hadn't overcome those things, then he can keep us stuck. And I think that's really his goal is like, you know what? You need to stay shackled to those things today. You're not really healed. God's really not good enough to get you through that. And I think that's what Lot's wife was looking back to. You know, maybe she had a great house in Sodom. You know, maybe she had a whole life she had built there. I'm sure she did have family. I'm sure she had friends. I'm sure she had a whole thing there. And all of a sudden, imagine your life right now, and God says, hey, you have to get up and go, because Belton, it's going down. You know, you would be like, oh, let me pack some. Like, it's hard. Like, I get it. That wouldn't be an easy step. It seems like it, looking back. Um, Because sometimes when God is asking us to set some things down, It's really hard because we can't see the destruction that he's leading us away from. And I think that that's a really hard point sometimes is that God hasn't given us the full view of all the things that are ahead of us. Um, Reminds me of a story. Back in our younger years, Sean and I actually went caving with a group um, from our church of young adults. And um, for some crazy reason, I still don't know, I decided to follow him through the cave. If you know anything about Sean, that still applies now. It's kind of a weird one. But so we're in this cave. There's like a normal path through the cave. And then there's like a Sean path through the cave that I ended up on this like crazy thing with like just these two other people in the cave. Um, And I mean, I was like, there were some parts of the cave that were so narrow that you're like crawling on your belly and you can't leave your head up because it's so narrow. You had to turn your head like this and like shimmy through there. I'm like, okay, here we go through the cave. Now I was covered from head to toe in mud. I should have found, I have a picture of me coming out of the cave, Um, but I had lost both of my shoes in the thick mud that's down in there. So you have like no shoes covered in mud, this helmet on. I'm like, where are we going? What are we doing? Um, My only comfort really was that Sean is bigger than me and he was in front of me. So if he gets stuck, I can just turn back and go the other way. Cause I'm like, well, if he made it through, I'm probably going to be okay. But otherwise I don't know what's about to happen here. Um, But if you've ever been in a cave, like caves are kind of creepy. and for some reason turn off your headlamp even if you know somebody is like right like Sean is 6 inches in front of me like on our bellies in the cave like dude that's freaky okay <laughs> i'm just going to say like you don't really feel like what what is darkness really darkness is lonely no matter how close somebody is next to you and you see how dark darkness can be until you catch that first glimpse of light like i have Followed this crazy man far enough, I can see, like, just a, barely a little sliver of, like, the way out of this cave. Um, and you just catch that, and you crawl on your belly towards it. And at first, there's just enough light to move towards it. You don't have a path. You don't have a plan. You're like, I just need to keep moving that direction. And as you get closer to the end, there's more and more room. Like, eventually, you could, like, crawl, <laughs> and then you could kneel. Finally, you could stand up and walk out of the cave, which seemed crazy in the moment. Um, but I think that that is a really good parallel of what our spiritual life looks like sometimes. Because when I was first in the middle of that muddy, mucky insecurity, it didn't feel like I could go anywhere. I was stuck. I was dark. I felt alone. But you see that small glimmer of light and hope that Jesus has at the end of that for you, what your life could be. And you're like, okay, I can just crawl. I can just take one step today, day by day by day, following that path. And that turns into faith in Jesus. It says in Psalm 119, 105, that your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And if you've ever been in a dark forest, same thing. When you're walking and it's legit dark, it's not like streetlights and whatever, your flashlight down or your headlamp or whatever, all you can see is just a path right in front of you. You have just enough light to take one step, one foot in front of the other. God doesn't give you the whole, like, where is this path going to go? Am I going to fall off a cliff in Utah? Or am I going to make it to this great view that I'm supposed to go to? And I think step after step after step like that, doesn't seem like a long journey. But when God is helping you to walk through something really hard, it's that day after day after day decision that creates great faith in you that God is good and he can do anything in your life. And so God didn't show Lot and his wife the whole story. He didn't say, hey, you know, he said, I'm going to punish the city. He didn't like rain fire and sulfur down like that's, you know, would have been a little bit more information that they maybe would have wanted to have. But maybe today you feel stuck today and you're like, you know what, Today isn't the day that you need to, like, you know, stand up and be healed and walk out, but maybe today is the day you need to take just one step. And I think that that one step today can be to don't look back, but turn your eyes to Jesus. Satan is always gonna try to get you to look back. He's gonna try to get you to look back at the life that you've had, the choices you've made, your insecurities, how alone you really are. But it became real to me that if I'm going to say with my mouth in ministry and my life and all these things that Jesus has truly paid it all for me, then I have to find the healing that I need in that truth. And I have to, when I remember Lot's wife, say, don't look back. So don't look back. Our second step is this, focus on Jesus. I love this. The poem that inspired the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, is actually called Focused. It was this whole idea about like, how do we see what we see? Um, and it's trying to shift your focus from the world onto Jesus. And so in the poem, the, not the song, but she asks this question, she says, where do your thoughts settle when consciousness comes back in the morning? Where do they swing back when pressure is off during the day? And in my struggles with insecurity, it was largely a battle of the mind. It was kind of like, okay, day by day, I need God's help to defeat these thoughts day by day, hour by hour, whatever it took in that moment. But the words of the song are so poetic because it says the things of earth will grow strangely dim. So I want you to try something. She talks a lot in the poem about this idea about how lenses work. That can be camera lenses, optic lenses, microscopes, even your own eyes have a lens. And so what she said is like this. So take your hand, stick it out in front of your face. And when you look at your hand, you can see lots of things about your hand. You're focused on your hand. I see you know, lines on there. I see nails. I see all these things on there. But when I look past it and I focus out beyond my hand, what happens to the hand? It goes blurry. You can't focus on what's out there and what you're supposed to be looking at the same time. And in the same way, She's saying in the poem, like, when you focus on all the things around that are causing you to stumble, to be weary, to be in pain, you can't really focus on Jesus the way that you need to. And the Bible puts it this way in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. By what? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow, what's it say, weary and lose heart. When you're focused on what's ahead of you, it's impossible to look back. I couldn't see the walls inside of the cave when I was just focused on the light at the end. When I'm stuck in the middle of, you know, insecurity, I actually use, like, I like to say worship is a weapon. When I'm focused in on who God is so much that I'm singing worship to him, I can't see all the things around that are trying to distract me from that moment in that day. And so the solution to our weariness and our troubles and hopelessness lies in where we put our focus. The um, the author of the poem said it beautifully. You have to choose which you will fix your gaze upon and let the other go. How do we bring things to focus? Not by looking at the things to be dropped, but by looking at the one point that is to be brought out. In order to focus on Jesus, we have to throw off everything else that is holding us back. We have to let go and focus only on him. So when you're battling insecurity, you focus on Jesus. When you're going through a terrible loss, you focus on Jesus. When you're pained with grief and anxiety, you focus on Jesus. The focus doesn't change regardless of the circumstances that are around you. It says in Hebrews 12, 1, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It doesn't say fixate yourself on your problems. Fix your eyes on what is dragging you down. It says fix your eyes on Jesus. And it's not always easy or idyllic to do that. I get it. You know, I wish that it looked like hours of solitude on a beach nestled in a chair and the waves rolling in and out and just the time to quiet my heart for three or four hours and focus in on who God is. Like, trust me, I wish that that's how it looked every day. Um, And sometimes you really have to make the effort to find that solitude with Jesus and be intentional about that. But most days it looks more like, okay, I'm... I'm doing the dishes. I'm going to turn on some worship music to drown out the sounds of the kids beating each other with sticks in the backyard. Maybe it looks like I'm going to turn that creepy guy on the Bible app to read me some scripture while I'm going on my commute in the morning. Um, You know, it could just look like a brief moment of prayer before I have to walk in to have a hard conversation or deliver some bad news at work. Um, It could just be like sharing with Sean, hey, God showed me this cool thing. Or this week at Life Group, I'm going to sit down and just be authentic and share a prayer request of what God's doing in my life. Like, it looks so different to focus on Jesus Jesus in different seasons, but it's important that we do it and that we focus on him and we make the effort to make those things. Because when we focus on him, then all of a sudden God starts drawing us to himself and he starts growing us and changing us. It says in Hebrews 12:2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And I like other translations actually say it: the author and finisher, the one who made a way for it, and the one who will see it through to the end. And I love that power that even the faith I have isn't my responsibility, God gave it to me and I can exercise it back to him in response to him. And so the last part of the poem is actually a really great challenge and she ends it by saying, once you figure out where your focus lies, then dare to have it out with God. She said, because that's the shortest way. (laughs) I think we'll spend a lot of our time wasting it, not doing that hard work. But when you dare to lay bare your whole life, being before him and ask him to show you whether or not all is focused on him and his glory, you turn your eyes to Jesus and the troubles of the world grow strangely dim. And my last point is this, is to live in the light. The end of that chorus says, live in the light of his glory and grace. You know, Lot's wife looked back at her former life, at what used to be, and she longed for things to be different. She wasn't willing to do what God asked, even to save her own life. And it wasn't the physical looking back that caused her to stumble and turn into the pillar of salt. It was that in her heart she was longing for what was in this world. Jesus warned us in Luke seventeen at the beginning: Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will preserve it. And you know, today, if you're weary and you're troubled and you're just unsettled in your soul, I'd like to challenge you to say that maybe today it's because you haven't discovered the true longing of your heart. Because our focus and our sights are misdirected when we stay focused and longing on the things of the world and the circumstances of our life, you can misdirect where your focus is going. It says this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. That longing and that gnawing for something more in our hearts is a longing For heaven, God put it there. He set eternity in our hearts. I love Augustine says it this way, and I think about this a lot. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. If you're weary today, it could be because you haven't found rest in Jesus. God didn't make us for this world. This world is supposed to feel hard, and sometimes it's supposed to feel painful, and it's supposed to feel like we're disconnected or like we don't belong because it's not our home. God has put eternity in our hearts because we are looking for and longing for that day is to come when God gets to make everything 100% fully back right. Our salvation is the promise of salvation that one day God in us as a seal for his spirit in us is saying one day you are gonna be there in glory and it's gonna be incredible. Um, Lot's wife was longing for something temporal. She was looking back at the city where she came from and she looked back and gazed on it, what she thought she was leaving behind. And she was troubled and she looked and lost everything. But Jesus has a word to calm our hearts today. In John 1 through three, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms and if that were not so, I would have told you or would I have told you I was going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where. am if the last two years have shown us anything it's that this world is hard and that at the root of our hearts is unkindness, and it's not togetherness as a people, and there's just a lot of room that we all have to say we can turn our eyes onto Jesus. We've witnessed the ugliness of sin. We've seen people so weary and heartbroken from divorce and from pain and from medical problems and from the loss of their children, so much hurt and pain that even in this position leading in a church, you get to see the heart of people's lives every day. Um, And maybe today you're longing for that perfect peace, a place with no more sadness, no more tears, no more sickness and pain. And let me encourage you today that Jesus is getting that place ready for us. The lyrics of the song say, his word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. And then go to a world that's dying, his perfect salvation to tell. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You see, even when we are facing troubles, when we're weary, God has given us the charge to go into the darkness of our world, to be a light when there's no light and there's no hope. For this past week or so, my son, Jack, who's five, he has just really been struggling with this idea of heaven. We read a Bible story and like a book Bible that we have. And he woke up the next day and he said, Mom, he said, my head is so messed up. He said, I just keep crying. And he's like, literally like tearful all week long because he's like, I just, I just, you know, he loves our world. I said, what do you love so much about the world? He's like, I love playing with daddy and I love my dinosaur toys and I love my friends. And he just like, his heart was so much, he's like this news that he wasn't going to be here forever just hit him and you know all week long we've been you know trying to like console him and like let's read I actually read some of these passages to him in that um and it's just been really crazy to see like him like working through his faith with that it's been our honor as his parents to get to walk through that with him but yesterday afternoon actually um he went to his room, had, like, some quiet time on his tablet. We have the Bible app for kids that reads you the stories in there. And he's like, Mom, I found the one that's the new heaven and the new earth. And just jumping out of his bed, he comes. He's like, Mom, there's not going to be any more sadness there. <laughs> and there's not going to be any more sickness there. And with the faith of a child, I was, like, so excited about, like, getting it for the first time. Like, yes, like, the good stuff of this world gets to go with us. I said, you know, it's like going to church every day forever. Mommy and Daddy are going to be there, like getting to celebrate that moment of him, but it's easy to forget that faith of just how real it is that we're going to be in eternity forever with God. And the tears that we have here are gonna be wiped away and the pain that you feel today and the sickness and the sadness and the grief, it's all gone because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and it's incredible. You know, it's so—it's such a joy to walk through that with him and see his little face get that. And it's also easy on the other side as a parent to be worried and be like what's the next 10 years going to look like for Jack you know I don't know our world is crazy <laughs> it's been crazy the last two years and maybe you're like oh I don't know like 10 years from now he'll be in high school what will that be like what will it be like when my kids are bringing grandkids into the world and all those things but I'm going to challenge you today just as a mom or a parent or somebody who hopes for kids that God isn't calling us to be worried afraid worried or afraid he's calling us to focus on him Because the plans that he has for Jack and my other kiddos is so much greater than I can ever imagine. And it's really easy for me to forget that my greatest contribution to the kingdom of God is probably not going to be anything I do here up on a stage, but it's going to be the people that I raise and the people that I pour myself into that get to experience the gospel because of what I pour into them. You know, he doesn't make mistakes, God doesn't. And so... um, I have one more passage I want to share with you here real quick in Acts 17 because this just came across the other day when I was thinking about um, the story actually changed a little bit because Jack got really excited about his faith yesterday. Um, But it says this, the God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And God did this so that they would seek him and reach out and find him, though he's not far from any of us. Can I just tell you today that God has a plan for you? His plan started eternity past. He wrote it on his poems, and he's for you today, because this is your day. He has great things in store for you and your kids. He doesn't want us to be worried or afraid. He wants us to focus and turn our eyes to him. I want to share one more thing with you. This um, Alex Cravens is a youth pastor in Arkansas who probably was not anybody until he wrote this post um, a year ago that ended up going viral. You may have seen it on Facebook or elsewhere, um, but it's about our kids the world they're gonna grow up into. And it's really inspired me to live in the light of God because I have little eyes and ears and little lives doing what I do. It's really important. So I'm gonna read this. It says, don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids because the world they're going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time they're in their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful or disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it every person in all of history has been placed in a time that they were in because of god's sovereign plan he knew daniel could handle the lion's den he knew david could handle goliath he knew esther Could handle Haman and he knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face. He created them specifically for it. So don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing some of the biggest challenges in our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge to raise Daniel's and David's and Esther's and Peter's. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with this mess of a world. He has an army he is raising up to drive. Back the darkness and make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fear steal the greatness God has placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides sweet little kids, and we just want to protect them from everything, but they were born for such a time as this. God has entrusted us as Christians with the whole church to reach the world. He's entrusted us as parents to raise up these kids. And so today, my challenge for you is to rise up, live in the light of the glory and grace of God so that our world that is dying can have the hope of Jesus, their savior. And so when the world gets you down today, don't look back on what was before. And when you don't know where to look, turn and focus on Jesus. Because when you have focused on Jesus, it's then you can live in the light and run to the darkness in our world. So who's ready to turn your eyes to Jesus today? That's right. Let's pray. God, I'm just praying today for those who can't see a way out. God, they're weary and they're troubled, can't see light in the darkness. I pray that each of us today would see just enough light to see you, to take that next step that we could turn our eyes to you, God. We could focus on you. And if that's you today and you'd say, you know what, I need to turn my eyes. I need to focus on Jesus. I need to live in the light of his grace today. If that's you, you just wanna lift up your hand. I'd love to pray for you and say, I need to focus on Jesus. I need to turn my eyes to him and I need to live in the light of his gospel and love. So good, hands all up. Help me to focus on you, Lord, today. I wanna take my next step indeed. And I'd like to pray for a second group of people today and say, maybe I've never looked to Jesus. Today is the first day that I've even known that I should turn my eyes to Jesus. I've been carrying the weight on my own. I've been looking to my own strength and today I wanna give my life to Jesus. Who would raise your hands today and say, God, I need you. I want to be with you, God. Today's the first day I've felt eternity in my heart, that stirring, that longing, and I'd love nothing more than to say yes to Jesus who poured himself out on the cross for me. So if that's you today, raise up a hand and and say this prayer. God, I need you. I need your light in my life. I'm turning my eyes towards you today. and. Thank you for making the way to me from heaven through the cross. Please forgive me in all the ways I haven't measured up and come into my life as I follow you today. You can have my heart today. Thank you for giving me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's give it up to everybody who gave their life to Jesus today.
4: What a Mother's Day word. Come on, somebody. I'm not pulling you over. I'm glad I was in the cave leading, to, leading you to darkness. <laughs> and I thought we were going to do like a, a wana moment going there earlier on. So, uh, But no, seriously, you guys who turned to Jesus today, maybe this is your first time locking eyes with Jesus. Maybe it's your first time turning your eyes to God and realizing that Jesus died for you. And so I would encourage you, um, just let us know. We have the privilege and honor of just connecting with you and helping your first steps with Jesus. And the best way to do that is to text rlnext seven thousand. And uh, our team, our church exists for you. If you made that step today, we'd love to help you and encourage you and just be alongside you every step of the way. So if you're in the house, on the way out the door, there is a red Bible bag. It's got a letter in there with a Bible and it's got next steps for you. So uh, Diane talked about this all through the gathering about focus on Jesus. And it's so important. Uh, to get around the right people to focus on Jesus. And so maybe your mom or dad or grandparent, or maybe you're a son or daughter today, and this is kind of strange, you got drugged to church, you know, and it's been forever since you've been at church. And um, I would encourage you, get plugged in to what God is doing. And uh, I'll tell you the best way to get focused on Jesus is to be around other people who are focused on Jesus. Other people are following Jesus because they can just get beside you and say, hey, listen here, Drew, this is what God's doing hey, Sean, this, this is what God's doing. And so get into a life group, and In uh, this season I encourage you really to jump on our dream team. Our dream team, they're the guys that put us all together, the young, the ladies and men that put us all together. Um, but yes, we serve, yes, we give back, but more importantly, we're around the other people who are following Jesus, amen? And we grow from that. And uh, I, I love serving my team, and our team is, is very healthy, very strong, and we love to, to have you part of our team, and especially uh, give something for your kids to model after. You know, my, my son, he was begging to come today to set up and he he was at the grandma's house and just wanted to come and and jack man this guy's been wrecking my life all week you know just spiritually speaking and i keep telling him like you am i a good dad And he's like oh yeah you're good i'm like well guess what there's an even better dad you have a good good father in heaven who's gonna give you perfect gifts and it's been cool to watch this story but you get to model that for our kids and uh we get to model it for the next generation and so i would encourage you man jump on our dream team Two weeks from today, we have a thing called Crash Course. It's at me and Diane's house, and we get to hear your story, help you connect to your purpose, and uh, get to know you, and then plug you into a place where you can use your gifts to make a difference and serve people. And, man, you want our kids catching us following Jesus, don't we? And uh, you know what? For some of you... Uh, your kids, you're a kid right now and you're gonna start serving and your mom's and dad's gonna go, what got into my kid, right? Like I cannot believe they're jump on the team and, and to make a difference. So I would encourage you to, to jump on the team. Another next step as well is uh, maybe you're a parent with uh, with teenagers. And we have a great place for your kids to get focused on Jesus, especially in those teenage years. It's so easy to wander off and uh, just jump into the world and and kind of do everything the world is doing. There's so much pressure. And we have a youth group that meets every Sunday night. It's at 6 o'clock at New Life Community Church. And we're not doing it today for Mother's Day. They're with your family. Amen? Come on. But next week, uh, we'll be back at 6 o'clock. And uh, I would encourage you. They're going to find people that love them that love God and give them a place to model that and be loved and that's really what it's about um, we do a lot of fun stuff they have a lot of activities do a lot of cool things but ultimately they fall in love with Jesus and so that's really important last thing is this I would encourage you to call Real Life Home to continue generosity we are just uh, it feels like we're on the, the verge of finishing the Hope Center we knocked out the drywall uh, we put up uh, put up the mud and tape I got an awesome pictures it's, it's already up there look at that if you don't know the guy on the right good for you come on somebody um You can't stop staring at him. You don't even look at the project at this point. Um, I keep, this is Josh Kelby. Can you give it for Josh? This guy works out there tirelessly. I tell him, like, man, if you stop messing around, this project will be done already, Josh. You know, somebody said he'd pose for that. It's like, no, that's how he always operates. Like, can I can just slow him down. Uh, Christian's back there. He's serving. Uh, he didn't want to put the picture up because now, you know, that he does drywall. Come on, somebody. Um, he told me it's a thousand dollars an hour. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, he didn't want to, to know he did this, but his number is 816. 7- I'm just kidding. If you need, <laughs> Christian's so shy. He didn't want you to on him. But anyway, the Hope Center is, it's come along. It's right behind Joanne's and, uh, room's gonna be full of youth kids just in a few months. Um, People coming to Christ in these rooms, uh full of equipping huddles if you're on our dream team and getting connected and full of people hearing the word of God and full of people getting counseling and hope and uh you guys play a part of this. And this is an incredible story, and I'm like right on top of this every day. But the big picture is God's gonna use it to see people's life change. We're not just building a building, we're building hope, and you guys play a part of that. And so if you're uh, if this is your first time here, this gathering's free. So we're gonna collect uh, some giving, but uh don't feel like you have to give. Um your presence here is really just what we're we're after, and uh, it's a gift to you guys. But if you call Real Life Phone, there's three ways you can give. You can give online. You can text him out to 8- 84321, or you give in the giving box, or the buckets, and they pass. I uh, will encourage you in this season, if you need a food, clothing, or shelter for your family, reach in the box, or the giving bucket goes by, and take out any loose cash you see for your family. Next week, cannot believe I'm saying this, we're finishing this series. Uh, got an incredible um, little picture of heaven, little preview of heaven, as we land this series out. And so I encourage you to come back next week as we check out this video.
0: Hey, I'm Jared Taylor, one of the creative coaches here at Real Life Church, and I just want to show you a few cool things here on my computer. So you may or may not know that we have many different ways or outlets to reach and love our community. So that's like Church Online, it's YouTube, it's podcasts, you know, look, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, many different others. And uh, we do in-person gatherings, we do life groups and missions. But let's take a look at our Facebook for a minute. I know social media is often referred to as negative, but we are trying to change that and we need your help. Facebook is a tool that we can use to reach even more people and even sporadically engage with each other as a community. So we want to move hearts and inspire lives through it. And guess what? There's one totally free way you can do that right now. Even during this video, get out your phone, whatever you gotta do, go over to our Facebook page and like that's right like us on Facebook by doing so it increases our reach and more people have the opportunity to see what's happening at real life all the stories the hopes and the prayers and the scriptures and everything shared it's all positive and all encouraging that people have the opportunity to run into on their feeds I feel so inspired by this that I'm gonna unlike our page just so I can like it again Plus on a day like today you may want to find your photos from the photo booth so you can show your family and even get them to like our page too. And then you can also run into some really awesome videos like this one.
1: We love you! We love you mom!
0: You'll even get inspired or share experiences with others. Just by liking, commenting, and sharing posts, it goes even further. What if God used you to help reach more people through your uplifting comments? Let's do Facebook together. And just look at these amazing comments. I remember hearing this song for the very first time as a teenager. My first time going to a Judgment House production. Changed my life. This song reminds me of what heaven might be like from the words. And this song is the next featured song as we continue the series, The Songs That Made Us. So I hope to see you next week, right here at Real Life Church, in person or online. Also Facebook every day. Come on, let's occupy.
5: Woo, what a Mother's Day, you guys excited? All right, hey, we can't get out of here without giving away a special gift to a special lady in the house. You guys ready? Get your cards out if you guys threw one in. I'm gonna have Bill come up here and draw for me. All right, got your cards out? Here we go. What number are we gonna get here? What do we got? All right, I've got number, hang here for a minute. I've got number 822. Who's got 822? Throw a hand up. 822. We got it? Diamond! Ms. Diamond, Ms. Diamond. There you go, congratulations. Hey, what an awesome Sunday. Thanks, Bill. What an awesome Sunday. Just cool having everybody here. I hope you guys felt welcome. real life, can we give everybody that's in the house just a big round of applause? Hey, Mother's Day's not done. For every lady in the house, we have a Buff City soap bath bomb. I think I got that right, so grab it on your way out. There's a photo booth, get a picture. Uh, kids have a gift for you, mom, so get that. Again, we love having you here. Hey, if you need prayer for any reason, we'll have a team member up here. We would love to pray with you. Again, as Pastor Sean said, we're finishing up the series next week, so we can't wait to see you at 9:30 and 11, or, uh, or 11. And as always, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you next week.